Welcome. Welcome to the security. Uh oh. Uh -oh. We're live. <laughs> it broke. It broke. Welcome to the Security Squawk Podcast, where we discuss the business of cybersecurity. Here are your hosts, Brian Horning, Reginald Andre, Randy Bryan, and Ryan O'Hara. Oh, Tef technical difficulties to start the show but i remember not to hit end recording this time because the last <laughs> time i had to redo everything so kick this out yeah welcome to the security squawk podcast everybody uh where we week. talk about the business of cybersecurity. see that is <laughs> ryan so it's not that. it's not really ai we got ryan to nope. record it it's just and me and my radio voice and then we he, he was it. using his dad voice we slowed it down <laughs> it gets his kids in line <laughs> So we got Ryan, Randy, Reg, and Brian here with you to uh, educate you about cybersecurity and, and talk about what you can start doing to protect yourself. Simply put, there is a fee for the show. The fee is help us grow the show by either sharing it out, rating the show on wherever you're listening to us, and just simply putting the information out there so other people can see it. Uh, whether you just listen to us, whether you rate us or whether you share us, we appreciate it. And that's how you help us grow this show. And that's the only fee for the show. So today we're going to get right into it. We got the Klopp ransomware group. They keep racking up uh, ransomware victims. They claim to have 130 victims. And week by week, they're proving that they have many victims. So in the last since the last time we did a show last Tuesday, there's been quite a few high-profile victims that have been uh, have come out and said they've been attacked by Klopp, and we're going to get into that today. Exchange is going to uh, start to block emails for uh, customers. We're going to talk about that and what they're going to do and why they're doing it. Uh, and then we're going to jump into a list of publicly disclosed ransomware attacks in 2023 for January and February. And briefly touch on uh, a major cyber attack out in Australia and New Zealand. And ChatGPT was uh, had a data breach or a leak. And we're going to let you know what happened there, too, since everybody seems to love ChatGPT today. Or, or, or if we're talking like their PR companies, it was a technical issue. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't turn on a computer. That affected a small, a limited number of users. <laughs> Every computer except that one that we mothballed that's in the janitor's closet. That's the one it didn't infect, limited so it's a limited number all of, of them infections. But ones. So here we go, guys. The old CVE 2023-0669 is uh, rearing its ugly head yet again with more victims. Uh and a couple more victims, two profile, high profile ones came out uh, over the weekend. I'm sure there's a lot more or over the last week. Uh, again, the city of Toronto, who um, they, you know, they've been in various entities around Toronto have been in the news for ransomware attacks lately, mainly the, uh, the hospital for sick kids in Toronto was hit. And if we remember, they were given their uh De secret decoder. The, the, uh, oops, sorry, <laughs> we, we don't want to mess with kids. Yeah, the secret decoder was given to them for free uh, from the goodness of of the criminals. Our, our affiliate did it, and right. it didn't follow our rules. And then, uh, so we have them, and then we have Procter and Gamble. A you know they're pretty big, uh, 
household products company, I guess you would term them as, uh, were also a victim of the Klopp ransomware gang this week. And Crown Resorts is also another one who uh, confirmed that they are a victim of ransomware. So we're going to get into it and talk about these particular ransomware uh, attacks as soon as I can figure out how to share my screen. And, and I think the thing to remember, too, is, is we're, we're just in the midst of the uh, uh, public disclosure phase of this. So, you know, we'll pro- we, we talked about some last week. We're talking about some this week. We'll probably see some more over the next coming weeks. Uh, but this particular attack was uh, on a vulnerability that was was exposed and published. And then these attacks occurred over the span of like 10 days. Like this group just jumped on that vulnerability uh, and wreaked havoc uh, on as many companies as they could find before they were able to patch those systems. Right. And as we good on Andre. Now saying, um, do we even call it a zero day anymore now that it's been 10 days? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, and the other thing that we mentioned last week on the show was the fact that we know that these guys are in the networks of 130 companies, but they haven't they haven't uh, victimized them all yet or tried to make money off them yet. This is going to happen over the process of the course over the next several months. Um, and it's not out of the question that they'll find more than 130 out there. Um, you know, kind of phase one for them was get into as many unpatched systems as we can. And then phase two is now let's start hitting them with ransomware. And that's exactly what they're doing. Uh, so they're in the midst of phase two. <clears throat> phase one's probably still even happening. You know, you know, there's going to be organizations out there that don't patch, just like we saw when the Microsoft Exchange servers were not patched. Um but here you go. I mean, they're going to here we go with organizations who are going to find out very soon that they have this group in their system uh, once they are notified that they have ransomware. So a uh, dark reading article that I have up that uh, goes into everything that we talked about last week, guys. I don't want to repeat it. You can go back and listen to that episode if you want to kind of know more about the vulnerability, what it does, why, why it's happening, you know what are the companies behind it um but they are continuing to just wreak havoc on companies as we said um and fortra is actually the company that built the solution for go anywhere and they're you know working diligently to notify customers who who may have been impacted or who have the vulnerable software running on their systems um it's kind of like they're scrambling quickly to kind of get this kind of get this contained. And, um, you know, I don't I don't get the sense that this is a very uh, uh, organized effort. This is kind of like, you know, oh, crap, let's get out there and try to help these companies who, who may have this problem. Um, do you guys see anything different? Do you guys know anything more? Want to share anything about what's going on with this? I, I have a thought. Go ahead. Well, so, you know, we have been talking about Klopp, but, you know, this has been in the news like like big time. I know obviously your your normal blokes not hearing it in the news, but anybody that has any kind of tech stuff coming through their feed is going to see that Klopp is all over this. And I'm wondering by Klopp being involved, it's raised awareness. We're only talking about um, 140 computers that were in the search engine that were showing up as having the admin access open, but that's 140 computers. So here's my point. I wonder how many other 
criminal organizations and or wannabe criminals have seen this news and they're like, what? This is wide open access. And I wonder how many other people have jumped in there. And I wonder how many systems have CLOP and others on the system because now it's high profile and the entire world knows of these 140 computers that are sitting there wide open. Um, so I'm just wondering if CLOP's not alone um, on those computers at this point. Well, the thing of it is, is, you know, the way that ransomware as a service groups work is they advertise their services, right? So all you need to do is identify an organization that has this system exposed the way that it needs to be exposed. And then you can turn around and, and sell that information or that access, so to speak, to CLOP. And then they'll jump in and take care of the rest. Um, so it still very much is an affiliate type of situation where they have people out there who are looking for vulnerable servers and then, you know, bring it to the attention of these guys and they'll take over for a fee. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just thinking of other on. people like some 25 year old in downtown London that's wanting to start a, you know, an international criminal organization. And they see this on the news. They're like, wow, there's 140 computers out there. I can go and infect. So, yeah, but I think. You know, I, I don't I got to look in. I would have to look into the details of the actual CVE to see how it can be exploited um, to determine how easy that would be. You know, 25 and, and year old might not have the skills required to, to take over this system. Right. Um, that's part of the reason why they're, they're careful typically about those CVEs. And, and you know, they when they're when an exploiter of vulnerability is brought to their attention, you know, they they talk to the the company that has that vulnerability first to get the patch ready before they just expose it on the internet and tell everybody about it. So right. um, that was why this is even even more scary. You know, they they exposed the they published the the CVE and then still over the course of 10 days, uh, you know, all of these attacks occurred where these machines weren't getting patched. So as we mentioned, uh, Klopp, uh, go anywhere victim is now Procter and Gamble. Um Along with Prop, Procter and Gamble, um, and then they they said uh, for um, it you it halted the usage of the four two go anywhere uh, servers, um, and they're saying that there's no evidence of Procter and Gamble of customer information uh, being compromised. But again, as we so We've heard that before, <laughs> so. Uh, frequently joke on this show mm-hmm. that it's you know too early too early to say that we're probably going to find that out here that it's too early to <laughs> or, say that or, or from their perspective it's early enough that we can still get away with saying that <laughs> so and but they're saying no customer information but unfortunately employees information has been compromised as part of the attack so i mean i don't which is still bad i, I right mean, right I, it's I, probably I, worse that, that excuse, you know, you see that a lot, but it, it, it right. always gets me. It's like, oh, okay, so you care less about the people who, you know, are Work working you. hard and building your business than, than right. the other people. It's, it's just as bad. Right. It's not about customer information. It's about all data you're entrusted with, people. right? Right. And that's the kind of information that these groups want. They want payroll information. They want social security numbers. They want 
bank account information. They want to know that they can contact your payroll administrator right. and change your bank account, stuff yeah. like that. It's it's worse because if it was customer information for a Procter & Gamble, they probably don't have most of that stuff. You don't need right. your social security number to buy household products. Yeah. But employees, you need a lot more of that information. So you can Quite frankly, I don't even think Procter & Gamble knows most of their customers because their customers are, are grocery stores and Target. Right. <laughs> um, they're not us. Uh, well, I'll just... All this to show you that this is why you need that professional IT company um, or, or someone monitoring your network because someone, we all subscribe to different alerts that would tell us about this. And then from there, we create a ticket and we run scans and run reports to see if, you know, software, this software is on our client's computers. So just having your computer and, you know, when something breaks, you call someone. It's just definitely not a solution in today's world. And that's a great point, Andre, because you we've been talking about this clop group for three weeks now, maybe four. Um, and the reality of it is, is this particular situation that these 130 plus companies are faced with right now. Um, the reality of it is, is that there is technology that would have told these companies that they had these things running, you know, either externally or internally in their environment. Um, well before these guys could have done what they did. And, you know, they preyed on companies not doing anything. Uh, and Andre's, to Andre's point, you got to have a company in your in your corner who is going to look for these things and then bring it to your attention. At a minimum, just get it off the Internet, right? You don't necessarily have to go through a process of patching it, but take it offline until you can patch it, right? So you don't get ransomware. That's an option here. Just just knowing that the vulnerability exists and it affects equipment that you have on your network. Right. I mean, if you call a CEO and say, hey, look, if we don't get this thing off off the Internet, if we don't disconnect it. And, and yes, we won't have it for a little while, but we could end up with ransomware like tonight if we don't do, do that. If you say that to a CEO, where are the chances he's going to say, yeah, just disconnect it? Mm -hmm. none, none of this stuff, this FT, this, this file transfer stuff that this tool, I can't imagine it's like that mission critical to these companies that's that's kind of the other uh aha moment i have when yeah. i look at this is like wow this thing probably isn't even that critical to these businesses operations at the same time how often do we see though that you know those decision makers just dismissing this type of stuff oh well you know yeah that sounds like a big deal but it's not gonna happen to us wow i mean gosh i hope that's not the case across the board i hope a lot of people don't think like that. I, I like to think that they don't. So, Crown Resorts. We, what do we, we know? We all want to think that, but man. <laughs> but man, what? There's just a lot of people sticking their heads in the sand. Uh -huh. So you you think? I mean, really, you guys think that if like somebody went to a CEO and said, "Hey, we have this thing, mm -hmm. and it's it's on the internet, and hackers can get to it like right now." I mean, depending on the on the size of the company, you know, it may not even go to the the uh, CEO. It may go to you know. And we've talked about like the importance of having uh, right. a division with security and IT. Like if it goes to the to the CTO, you know, their job is to keep things moving and keep it moving fast. So they might be more likely to dismiss it or say that we're okay. Whereas you know, somebody with with the security expertise uh, is going to be like, nope, shut it down and wait, not not even wait. No, it, it's happening. I have a client right now. They're probably about 200 users. It's a co-manage. 
Um, so we don't do everything for them. But when this came out, we ran the, we ran it across all our clients and um, our tool told us about this. And we I've emailed them three times and I, I got no response. Oh, wow. Nice. Well, there you go, people. You heard it from the horse's mouth. Well, hopefully the cloud is watching our show. That's the lay of the land right there. <laughs> That's the other thing that, that kind of makes me, um, what you said reminded me, Some I feel like somehow, like these 140, they're in some sort of a dysfunctional situation, you know, whether it's in a, a testing department, you know, that's done, isn't really under the, you know, the full co coverage of the IT or like we saw at Rackspace, you know, a department that's working over in some basement and nobody really wants to deal with them and they don't want any updates. Um, just makes me wonder because, you know, only 140 are showing up on um, Shodan. So mm -hmm. out of the millions that are out there, you know, or hundreds of thousands that are out there. So anyway. Interesting. We'll see. Maybe they got all 140 that were on Shodan. Thanks, Shodan. Um, <laughs> who knows? Uh, but I mean, so you got Crown Resorts here, guys. They're also they're also in Australia. We're going to talk about another big Australia, but it goes to show you that we're not just targeting companies here in the U.S. or in Europe. Um, also, companies in Australia, and New Zealand are dealing with these ransomware gangs as well. Australia has been in the news quite a bit recently. Yeah, I would say, I would say, yeah, for a size, for the size of their country, they've been uh, compared to the U S they've been in, in there quite frequently. Um, you know, and they, again, so just to go through the list of, of clot victims so far, uh, we have hatch bank, uh, we have, uh, rubric, um, we have healthcare giant CHS. Rubric is an is a cybersecurity company. Uh, the City of Toronto, Hitachi Energy, Procter Gamble, and Saks Fifth Avenue. So these are the ones that we know about, right? And we've only been getting this information for about two, maybe three weeks. Um, so that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine in about the span of, of two, two, three weeks. So that's about one every other day <clears throat> that's coming out. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's just the numbers. So it's also kind of discouraging too, that like, you know, the, the product itself that, that has this vulnerability is designed for secure file sharing. And uh, now because of this vulnerability and it going unpatched by these, these folks, you know, that, the, the whole purpose of, of, of that particular software was just destroyed. And that, that brings in a good question that kind of leads us into our next article in a way. Um, and I, when you, when you said that, right, I immediately went to my brain immediately went to the um, white houses thing. Mm -hmm. They released yep. a couple a month or so ago where, it seems like they're trying to go in the direction of shifting a lot of the things that need to be done around security to the service providers. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an example of what we're going to talk about next. Um, but also kind of like what you, what you said there, like ultimately the company knew that they had a vulnerability, but it's really on the end user to get that patched. The company, mm -hmm. you know, go to anywhere MFT, they don't have control to update these servers. They can just provide the patch. It's up to the end users 
uh, to do the patch. And I, that's kind of like, that's kind of like the historical way that we've updated software yeah. for a very, very long time where patches were provided and it was on the end user, you know, to go through that testing process to make sure that the patch doesn't break other things in their environment. And that's why we kind of do it the way we do it. Some vendors like Microsoft with windows have taken the approach of like, we're just going to update your system when it needs to be updated and you know, good luck. Um, you can turn that on or you can turn that off at Microsoft, but they prefer you keep it on nowadays. Um, <clears throat> but here we go with exchange online is going to block emails from vulnerable on-premise servers. So basically servers that they identify as um, malicious out on the internet, they're going to take the step and just not allow you to receive emails from those servers uh, here in the future. I, I love this. I, I think yes. this is great. It's 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 a bold move. I, I you know I don't know if it has anything to do with what what the White House had come out with, uh, or if they would have done this this anyway. Um, but it, it, it's it's really interesting, particularly because it, it's it's their own product that they're blocking. Right. So we've talked about exchange servers and, and all of the vulnerabilities and you know some of them patched, some of them unpatched, but the number of them over the, over the course of the last couple of years in particular. Um, so I, I think this is a brilliant move because we, we've seen it. I think every one of us has probably talked to a business owner who has an old end of life exchange server that, oh, no, it's still working. We don't need to get rid of that. So like something like this is really... Uh, you know, they're taking that responsibility on, on their end as much as that they as they can and essentially forcing those business owners to do it. I mean, if, if you want your email to get uh, received by anybody who's running Microsoft 365, for example, which is a lot of people, you, know, you need to upgrade that server or move to 365 yourself. Right. So essentially exchange server admins that don't update their on-prem exchange servers are going to be blacklisted from mm -hmm. being able to send email. Right. And that's that's kind of the the tack that they're taking or, or hope all their customers use Google. And this is what <laughs> this is actually what made me think about the the um, the other ones we were talking about with with the uh, go anywhere um, mm -hmm. is that if these are still here and they're still unpatched and they're still just sitting out there. They're in some kind of a dysfunctional situation for sure, mm -hmm. because we've known about these leaks now for what, like a year and a half. More than I that. mean, this is insane. If there's still <clears throat> unpatched exchange servers out there, like. Wait, well, you got exchange 20, 2007, 2010, and 2013 are all end of life. So they shouldn't even be running right now. And their yeah. and servers running. I mean, do your show, Dan, right now and look for exchange servers. Exchange version. <laughs> Rack space. Oh, excuse me. What? <laughs> Tell something in my throat. That was all. <laughs> And, and that, that, that would be really interesting had that not already occurred, because that, that would have definitely yeah. impacted them. All of a sudden, you're paying them for a service and, and none of your emails getting delivered. Uh -huh. yeah. And I hope this starts to trickle down. That's just a going great point, Rye. That's a great point, right? Because all I know, I've taken over a lot of companies like from the MSP side where we take them over and like the IT companies running like their own like hosted exchange, like Mickey'd up thing that they, you know, you know what they're doing with the licenses in there and, and stuff like that. And they're you know, like, these are old ass exchange servers. Imagine having to make that phone call. Like you, you either need to upgrade your infrastructure quick, or you need to have that phone call with your client saying, 
Sorry, we've been using unpatched servers for yeah, the so, last couple of years, and now all yeah. your email is going to get blocked. So we need yeah. To- so if your IT company randomly calls you and says you have to move to M365 like now, like uh, <laughs> that should be a telltale sign that they were doing something hunk- hunky with your uh, exchange service. What were you going to say, Andre? No, I was going to say I hope this um, trickles down to other other products because, like, imagine you know. Um, go to anywhere it changes their term of services that says the same thing if your if this legacy application is pinging our server we're and we know there's a known vulnerability we're shutting it down yeah uh, i mean that's that's a direction companies could take you know from not only a, a compliance standpoint right if you're thinking about the warehouse regulation yeah, that's where, what where, I was gonna say. where they want to go but also a business standpoint right this is an easy way to you know make customers upgrade for those customers that don't understand the value and reasoning of why you don't want to stay on old legacy software for a very long time. Um, you know, I think of QuickBooks, they, they, they are, they, for, for two decades, they've only let their software run for three years and then they shut it down. Right. Um, and and they really shut it down. Like they're basically like this software is going to stop working may 31st if you don't upgrade I mean, it's not for security reasons though but yeah no it's not but 100 percent, like that is something i think that you know these software companies would embrace uh and if they could use security as the reason yeah. and not hey we're just making you do this because we want to make you do it and make but the money. counterpoint that i i think there is a security reason there so like if you think about it you know so we'll, we'll, we'll keep picking on quickbooks here so if they if they've got this rule of three years like if, if they had six years that's like six more uh generations of their product that they have to keep going back and looking for vulnerabilities and patching and things like that so from a software standpoint that that gets really difficult and things are going to get more likely to be to be missed in those cases i'm with you i'm with you on the concept of it but it, it does make sense when you boil it down i don't i, I don't know that they've run those particular analytics but if they did they it would make more sense probably them. haven't it's not a bug it's a feature right right and all Did the you? bad press that go anywhere is getting now think you know they, they their their name is splattered all over the news and people just think that oh you know it's a bad product, but no, it's just a legacy application, and and but people don't know that the difference, which which I think goes to further the point that maybe maybe some of these companies will start thinking more along the lines of like what Microsoft is doing here in this article, because uh, I mean just think about it, you know, e- even if it's not at the end of the day their problem because there was a vulnerability that was exposed, they patched it right away, and the people who had the issue were just you know didn't didn't apply the patch, but it's it's a secure file sharing product. <laughs> that had a huge security issue you know the average person is, isn't going to understand the, the the disconnect there and that it was actually the the companies that didn't do their job uh, to do it you know it, it's attached to that product too uh so uh there are currently gentlemen over sixteen thousand. 17,000 servers, according to Shodan, that have the proxy shell and proxy logon vulnerabilities exposed to the internet right wow. now. 17,000 servers. So there's going to be a lot of people calling up uh, looking for either IT providers in general or new ones. I mean, and again, like Randy said, this is we've known about this for a, a, at least a year now, yeah. over, right? And these are still exposed to the internet. 
if there's one thing that gets a customer uh, unhappy, it's their email not working. Yeah. So uh, moving right along, so we uh, can wrap the show up at a decent hour. Um, publicly, that, that usually signifies our speed round. <laughs> publicly disclose. We won't go too fast. Publicly disclose. I found this article and I thought it was really good. Um, publicly disclose U.S. ransomware attacks. Uh, so far in 2023, we're at the end of March. This looked at January and February. Um, February 2023 averaged almost an attack a day. And this has got to be incomplete. I mean, well, it's, oh, definitely, yeah. it's definitely incomplete like, because there's the unpublished ones. But you know, even for the published ones, I think we talked about more than these. This is publicly <laughs> disclosed. So this means that, yeah, I mean, you can assume that this is like 1% of the list. Mm -hmm. The tip over the iceberg. Uh-oh, yeah. Wayne County Police, that's in my backyard. Most of them are public entities that have to disclose along with hospital facilities uh and uh publicly traded companies if you're not any of those you're probably keeping it quiet because why else would you come out and tell people you've been attacked um and that's the reality that people need to live under these small businesses these mom and pop places these you know really small companies they're they're not disclosing this stuff so february here's the list i'll scroll down try to go slow um won't read them all i think we covered most of these guys um you know a lot of cities a lot of local local governments uh public schools um hospitals you know, hospitals yeah, and and publicly traded companies i mean that's really what it boils down to you don't see too many small or privately owned companies uh disclosing this stuff uh and then we go to january and i didn't count these up yet um probably about the same maybe maybe a little less we got one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen twenty one so roughly one about every day and a half so again cities school districts publicly traded companies colleges that's basically the list and that's not all that's being attacked and we know this so just want to get your guys thoughts and and and, and maybe input on what you're seeing here i mean I, does this I, I mean i wouldn't take any uh i wouldn't feel good about any of this but i also kind of think it's a little i guess i'm a little concerned with them putting it out like this because it just makes it seem like it's not a lot and mm -hmm. we're only talking about 1%. That means that there's hundreds of these yeah. happening every day. And the smaller the business, the, the less likely they are to publicly disclose either because, you know, they think they can sweep it under the rug or they don't understand what their obligations are. Yep. Yeah. So for That's every one of those, there's probably 10 uh, small, medium-sized businesses that have been hit. Yeah. Well, I went and picked up my car the other day and they, you know, they they told me that they had ransomware at the mm -hmm. at the dealership and Yikes. that was never in the news. Yeah, you know, she's They're a an FTC rule covered entity. Mm-hmm. hundred <laughs> uh, percent, they are. So, have you heard about this FTC safe? Hopefully, you turn that into a sales opportunity. <laughs> uh, I was talking to the uh, person who doles out the uh, doles out the loaner cars. <laughs> So I don't think she was a decision maker. <laughs> so it was, but we could target them. That's for sure. Uh, 
Anything else you guys want to add on these uh, cyber attacks so far for 2023? I mean, we haven't seen March yet. And uh, obviously in this article, uh, and this article was published like less than an hour ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll find out about March. But I mean, my thought is, is that there's a lot of attacks publicly disclosed, but there's a hell of a lot more that are not public, publicly disclosed. Oh, yeah. It also kind of underscores the the changing definition of what constitutes ransomware. Um, we discussed this last week on our podcast where, yep. you know, it used to be your data was encrypted and that's ransomware. And then it was, you know, well, they're going to take it off, take it off. So that's, you know, um, double extortion and your, ta- your data offsite. And that's double extortion. And then, you know, now they're just like, well, let's don't do both. Let's just take the data. But the, the end of the, you know, their game, they want to get money and your your data is what gets kidnapped in one way or another and held ransom. So anyway. So we got uh, we want to touch on this latitude financial services. Uh, they Australia are, again. Yeah, they are an Australia based company, Australia, New Zealand. Um, and we we decided a couple of weeks ago not to cover this on the show, but. Um, we're going to briefly talk about it um, just because it's a lot of uh, a lot of records and a staggering amount of of records to the tune of almost eight million Australian and New Zealand driver's license numbers stolen of that. About half of them were uh, from people in the last 10 years. Um, and it says additionally, a further 6.1 million customer records, including some but not all of customers names, addresses phone numbers and dates of birth were stolen in the attack. Um, 97% of those records were from before 2013 and date back to tw- uh, 2005. Uh, 53,000 passport numbers were also stolen. Um, uh, and it just goes on to say that customers of Latitude who do need a new driver's license as a result of the attack, uh, the company has offered to pay for the replacement of their stolen ID. So uh, it looks like in this particular case, uh, a lot of these people are going to be required to get new IDs uh, to hopefully try to invalidate what was stolen. As if that's not still a pain in the butt. I mean, I'm glad they're paying for it, but you know, it's still a lot of hoops you got to jump through to go get your new ID. I mean, this is just like a treasure trove for a cr- for a criminal organization to you know who want to create passports and and do all kinds of things to steal people's identity and maybe travel to countries to and from where people should be traveling. Um, you know, from a, from a terror, from an actual, not cyber terrorist, but actual terrorist standpoint that this scares the crap out of me, you know, mm-hmm. for, for them being able to like just replicate somebody else's information like that. So I don't see how you can clean this up very easily and this is why you don't say that oh it's nothing to see here it's only a couple of you know a couple of thousand records and now here we are eight point million passports and driver license are are compromised so um moving right along this will be our last topic of the day and new technology that has an issue we've seen this story before too won't be but it's microsoft (laughs) <laughs> but this won't be the uh, this it won't be now. the first or the last that we read about OpenAI and its ChatGPT service. 
But OpenAI says a Redis client open source library bug was behind Monday's chat GTP outage and data leak where users saw other users' personal information in chat queries. The chat GTP displays a history of historical queries you made on the sidebar, allowing you to click on one and regenerate the response from the chat bot. And on Monday morning, numerous chat GTP users reported seeing other people's chat queries listed in their history. Um, I actually saw something similar in my account. That's why I was asking you guys in the green room if this happened yesterday. I did see something like this where I had like a language I don't even know how to write as the question. But the answer was actually an answer to one of my questions that I typed earlier. So it seemed like almost like it was one of my questions that got converted into another language. Yeah, and this this is what I was talking about in the green room because I, I had seen this thing with where the people's histories and whatnot were being leaked. I had not seen that it also included uh, payment information. So I, I thought that this may have been a second issue that they had come across, but it was all part of the same uh, original issue. Yeah, I saw I saw one of those in mine um, like last month, like a month ago. Saw one in another language that wasn't me. So apparently, this little bug has been around. You should have translated it. It might have been juicy. <laughs> so, uh, in the, so basically, uh, the bug was discovered on this Redis client. As soon as they identified the bug, they reached out to Redis maintainers with a patch to resolve the issue. Uh, upon a deeper investigation, they discovered that the same bug may have caused an unintentional visibility of payment-related information of 1.2% of the chat GTP plus subscribers who are active during a specific nine-hour window. Uh, and then in the hours before we took chat GTP offline Monday, it was possible for some users to see another user's uh, or another active user's first and last name, email address, payment address, and the last four digits of a credit card number and the credit card expiration date. Full credit card numbers were not exposed at any time. Uh, They said the number of people whose data was exposed is likely to be very low. Uh, And then uh, the CEO, Sam Altman, has released a statement saying that we had a significant issue in chat GTP due to a bug in an open source library for which a fix has now been released and we have just finished validating a small percentage of users were able to see the titles of other users' conversation histories, uh, and we feel awful about this. A limited number of users. So I got to believe, like, I got to, I don't know, do you guys kind of use these technologies, and you might not even use these technologies because you just don't trust them yet, but I do. Um, I'm kind of. I use them, and I don't trust them. Yeah, I I, use them. I I haven't had the time to go down the rabbit hole yet. Um, But I kind of look at it as like, it's kind of like, at least from my standpoint, it's like when people ask me, like, you know, would you go on TikTok? I'm like, yeah, I go on. I go on. I would go. I would use TikTok. I would do TikTok, but understand what what's behind that, and that's the kind of stuff that people are talking about publicly today. Um, you know, this this application, this thing is going to come under scrutiny by people, by the public, by lawmakers one day too. We just, it's just so damn new that we don't even know what's to come yet with it, right? But. Um, you know, they're really going to regulate what these tools can can do and what information they can give people and how they give it is definitely going to be something that lawmakers are going to want to control. Um, but enjoy it. Enjoy it. Why it's the wild, wild rest of right now. That's kind of how I look at it. But understand, 
um, you know, there's going to be significant security and, and data privacy issues around this tool. Um, so just be aware of that and use it judiciously. That's assuming it hasn't become sentient already and it's just doing this to mess with us. <laughs> you know, one thing I noticed, though, is on my chat GPT, yep. it never asked me for two form factor authentication. I don't know for you guys. Is it on? It already knows you. It doesn't need to form. Right. No, no. I, I put in my username and my password, but it doesn't ask me for two-form factor. And you I want to see what, through your camera that it's When you. I talk to you, I don't ask you for two-factor authentication. Right. I just know who you are. Same, same thing. Right. Treat it like a person. The, no. <laughs> the founder of AI said that Sinian AI, he, he was saying it was like 50 years away. But with ChatGPT over the last couple of months, he says we're now like, I think like less than a decade away. I don't remember the exact numbers, but he cut his estimate in like half or 25% of his original um, estimate. So. I, I, I got to go back and check my, uh, my my Ray Kurzweil material and see where, where he's got that one predicted. Yeah. I, I, I feel like it's coming up. I, I, I think it was by the 2030s that we'd have uh, an AI that passed the Turing test. I'm going to write 10 cybersecurity books this year. Well, that's and now <laughs> imagine now your your account gets compromised. Here you have by Brian oh. Hornick, you know your blogs, your newsletters, everything, and it turns out that you're really a fraud. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You you want to be careful that you're not using it to write ten books. Although <laughs> I I used it this morning to write a job description for Upwork that would have taken me like an easy an right. hour if right. I had my creative right. juices I did, I did the same fire. thing. I did the same thing with a statement of work yesterday. I thought it was oh going to take me like 90 minutes. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Why don't I just try to do this in chat GTP? I did. I had it done in like 15 minutes. I, I literally <laughs> was like, well, you, it won't hurt to see. Like, let's try, see what it does. And like, it was writing in every word. I was like, that's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> same. I got yeah. to the end and I told it, I said, you're amazing. <laughs> Just so when it becomes sentient, it won't instantly kill me. <laughs> It'll save you for last. I'm on the good guy's right. side. Don't kill me. <laughs> All right. On that note, that's a perfect ending to the show. <laughs> Don't kill me. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Another uh, another week of uh, exciting cyber attacks. Klopp is uh, giving us an very easy time in the green room coming up with uh, stuff for the show. If anybody has any comments, questions, or concerns, you know where to reach us either through our own companies or our security squawk, uh, social media channels. And we will see everybody next week. Don't forget, pay the fee, share the show. Take care. See you later, everybody.